Hey everyone, it's Lindsay. And today my guest is Caroline Harries. And this conversation, if anyone who is struggling with infertility or if you have struggled with infertility or loss, I really, really hope that you have an opportunity to listen in to this entire episode. Caroline has a heart for those who are waiting on a breakthrough from the Lord, and she has a passion to see women step into their identity as his daughters. She founded Moms in the Making, which is a faith-based fertility support group, and which she did one year into her journey of trying to grow her family. Now it has been eight years that she has been trying to grow her family and her unwavering faith remains evident as she continues to believe for her own miracle of children. And her heart, you guys, you can just tell she is so passionate about cheering other women on, but also just giving them that sense of comfort and understanding that they need in a season of waiting and pain and loneliness. So today we ended up doing a Q&A style conversation, which was just so cool because I was able to ask women who actually struggle with infertility, who are in the thick of it, what kind of questions that they had, because I didn't want to come into this not having the right questions, being ignorant about the conversation. So we are asking questions like, is infertility from God? Am I not fit to be a mother? When did you accept the fact that it's time to stop trying? What are some things that people did or said during your most difficult seasons that actually helped you? This is a really good conversation for people who know someone who is struggling with this as well. It gives you resources and a deeper understanding of what is going on in their heart and in their mind so that you can love them better. Anyway, we go through, we talk about IVF and adoption and all of those things. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you do, please do share it and let others know that they are not alone. I do not feel like this topic is discussed enough which is why we decided to touch on it. We were asked by a listener to please have this conversation and I'm so, so thankful that we did. So I love you guys. Let's dive in. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, 
Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today I am here with my guest, Caroline Harries. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be so fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. And I just need to apologize to my listeners, you guys, because my boys are home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the office so I'm not interrupted in my conversation. And I forgot my cord to my mic. So if my audio (laughs) sounds different than normal, I don't have a microphone. But we are just really excited today because I guess maybe eager is more of the word to get into a conversation that kind of plagues a lot of people or causes pain for so many people, even in my world about infertility. And Caroline is here with us to talk about the hard stuff to share your story. Mm -hmm. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of diving in and telling us a little bit about who you are and why you're here with us today. So my husband and I live in Dallas, Texas, was born in Oklahoma, but been here for a while now. So we've Mm -hmm. been married. It'll be 10 years in 2021. So it's gone by fun. And yeah, it's gone by quickly, I should say. And about really a few months into marriage, we decided, hey, we're not going to wait for kids. We got married not later by any means, but surely later than most of my friends. So they were already, you know, starting their families, two or three kids in. And so we just thought, well, we're going to jump into this too. And so pretty soon found out from doctors, it would be impossible for us to conceive a baby in the natural. Mm -hmm. So we're really just left with this heartbreak. You know, infertility was not anywhere on our radar. Come to find out now that one in four couples have a miscarriage and one in and six to eight couples go through infertility. So this is something that many, many couples go through. And yet, as we probably both know, is not talked a lot about. So right. we are now here eight years into our journey of infertility. And you know, from that has birthed a ministry that I lead. And I'm happy to share more about that yes. along the way. And how did you respond when you were initially told you can't have children? I mean, devastated, caught off guard, you know, for pretty much anyone going through this, you get married and then you have children. That's how it goes, right? And so we just picture this perfect situation and we plan it out. And when that doesn't happen, how we thought it's devastating. I still remember Mm -hmm. being at the office in a corporate job I was in and uh, getting the news at my job. And then of course, relaying it on to my husband and he came and picked me up at the office and there was lots of tears. But I also remember in that moment, just diving into God's word together, knowing, okay, God, you have the final say over this, not what the doctor said. And knowing that there had to be more, that this wasn't actually how our story was going to pan out because the desire that he'd put in my heart was too deep for it to end right there and right then. And so I remember diving into the Psalms together and praying and really it began this journey that I'm still on today. And it's been hard, it's been tough, and yet I wouldn't change it for the world. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And talk a little bit about in due time. You referenced your ministry. What has blossomed from that? What prompted you to start that ministry? Absolutely. Yeah. So about, uh, let's see, I think it was honestly like a week after that diagnosis, my husband and I were driving down to Austin and I remember kind of going to Google, of course, typing in different diagnoses, which mm-hmm. is like the worst thing to ever yeah. do. Painful and, always. Yeah, painful. Yeah. And I remember in those moments, the Lord whispering to me to start a blog. And I just laughed. So to back up, my background is finance 
science. I love numbers. I love Excel <laughs> spreadsheets. I do not write. That is not my thing. We are I, opposites. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With writing and I was like, I'm going to take, you know, my English college courses during summer school at a community college so they won't be as hard. And <laughs> so I laughed. And at the same time, I was obedient. And I was yeah. like, oh, Lord, you're, you know, you're going to call and I'm definitely going to be obedient and do it. And so that began my blog in due time, as you mentioned. Well, so that was in 2012. 2013, the Lord put it on my heart to have a few women over to my living room who were going through infertility. Just, hey, Caroline, you're not alone. And there's other people who need support and encouragement along the way. And so I had six women over to my living room, honestly, not thinking much of it at all. Just, hey, let's pray. Let's dive into God's word. Well, From there, we just started seeing so much life. I Mm -hmm. saw women who were filled with hope. We saw women's prayer lives completely transformed. And on top of that, it was baby after baby after baby of women told, you know, they would never conceive or they'd been struggling. And so that is what birthed Moms in the Making, which is what Mm -hmm. we now call it. So Oh, okay. Moms, yeah, I, it gets very confusing. I know people are like, what's in due time and what's Moms in the Making? So so Moms in the Making is now a ministry that of course started, like I just mentioned, in my living room in 2013. We now have support groups in over 50 different cities across the United States and Canada, wow. over in Europe and Germany, the Netherlands. And then we have 10 or so virtual groups, including a Spanish-speaking virtual group. So all of our curriculums fully translated And as well, we have an annual conference. So the Lord's, he's just done his thing. You know, for me, mostly, I don't feel like I've even been able to comprehend what he's done because it's Mm -hmm. had such a deep impact, but far and wide, reaching women all over the world. And at this point, we've celebrated over 500 miracle babies. And and more so than that, it's the hearts that have been healed. It's the testimony of, I was all alone. It's Mm -hmm. the testimony of, I had lost all hope. I mean, we've had people tell us, my marriage was on the brink of divorce and this mm-hmm. ministry saved my marriage. And so, so yeah, it's been just an I honor to be that. a part and yeah. he's just done his thing and it's fun that I get to be involved with what he's doing. Well, good for you for being yeah. obedient in that because it's incredible. I was just talking with a friend about how fear mm-hmm. keeps us so much, so often from doing the things God calls us to do. Yes. And yet look at, I mean, you definitely could have come from a place of saying, I'm very selfishly, you know, I don't want, I'm in pain. I don't yep. want to bring my pain to other people. But then you see the beauty that comes from those actions mm-hmm. and the joy that comes from being obedient to Jesus. So, and that kind of answers my question because I've had friends who have said, it's really difficult to share these struggles with people who've never been through it because mm-hmm. they just don't fully understand. Well, I know that they love me. They support me. They want the best for me they also just don't fully get it. And so I love that what you're doing allows women who have been through it, who are going through it to connect together. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so true. And I think it's vice versa. You know, my brother, they lost their two-year-old son to cancer. He passed away. My co-host, who's also my best friend in my podcast, her son just passed away. Mm -hmm. And so in the same realm where you couldn't understand what I'm going through, I can't understand what they're going through. And so, you know, I do think there's this opportunity of, okay, what does it look like to support someone who's going through something that we can't understand? And what is it like Mm -hmm. to be the body 
And I'm not supposed to understand. I'm not mm. supposed to understand what it's like to lose a two-year-old or what it's like to go through a divorce because those are not part of my story. But I can come alongside those people and love them and you know pray for them. And so it's just beautiful when the body all steps into their roles and then mm. we can all feel supported and loved. Amen. Well, I'm yeah. so sorry to hear about your best friend. Yes, That's thank so... you. It's been just a hard year, right? Yeah. I mean, goodness. So a yeah, thank you. Well, we'll be praying for her. What's her name? Jessica. I want to dive in to the question for our listeners. As I told Caroline before we started everything, I don't want to come at this from an ignorant perspective. I don't want to come at this not getting answers to the questions that so many women have. So I asked the people that I know who are struggling with infertility to come up with the questions. Mm -hmm. So with that said, we're going to do just kind of a Q and a style and we're going to basically just go through every question that they asked me. So number one, when did you accept the fact that it's time to stop trying? At what point have you accepted or did you accept that you may not have your own biological children? Or is that even a point that you can get to? Yeah, great question. So I would love to share a big part of my testimony. I know I already shared kind of that initial diagnosis. So after that, my husband actually moved away to Georgia for work for six months. And while he was gone, I had too much time on my hands. So I just went in a deep dive of how can I get pregnant? What are the things that I can do? The essential oils, the diets, acupuncture, different natural ways that I could get my body and my husband's body healed if you will. And let me just tell you, by the time he moved back, we were in full on, you know, make this baby happen. Mm -hmm. I refused to eat gluten or drink a glass of wine in fear that it perhaps could hinder our ability to get pregnant. And I was absolutely miserable. I was miserable. We were also timing, we were charting, and it was awful. And I remember August 2013, still remember like it was yesterday, I had woken up and I had actually had a dream that I was pregnant. And so I woke up and I remember Mm -hmm. being like, oh my gosh, yes, this is the month. And went to take a pregnancy test and it was negative. And at that same time, I had started my cycle. And in that moment, I really would tell you that was my rock bottom moment of just like, I can't do this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I remember the Lord asking me, are you going to surrender? Are you willing to surrender? Because right now you're trying to make the baby happen and there's nothing that you can do to bring on this baby. It's not by your works, but it's going to be by my grace and my love. And that transition completely changed the trajectory of the next seven years. And I'm excited to share you know, with your listeners that because I was willing to surrender, I was filled up with his hope, with his joy, it was abounding. And and then you've already heard the fruit that's come out of it through the Moms in the Making ministry. And so, you know, to these questions of at what point did you stop? Well, I think there's a big difference between believing God for a baby and striving for a baby. And as Christians, we can get very quickly caught up in this striving of thinking we have to perform, we have to earn, we have to get his attention. If we pray a little harder, if we eat a little healthier, then we'll get us to notice him. And I often give this example of, you know, in some ways, looking back, I was like a child who was throwing a tantrum. I was that child trying to make it happen on my own. I mean, you have children, you You know, I wanted it so bad. I wanted it so bad. My fists were clenched tight. 
I was throwing a tantrum. I mean, it's like as a father, he wasn't even able to help me because, you know, I would have kicked and screamed as we see any toddler do. And yet the minute I was like, Lord, I'm done. I'm done trying yeah. to, I'm done taking matters into my own hands and I'm surrendering it to you. It's really when it's like my hands were open, ready to receive his love, his comfort, his care. But not only that, you know, the fruits of the spirit, the patience, the peace, the joy, the hope. And so at what point, you know, do you give up? In my mind, honestly, Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Now, you know, Lindsay, I'll very much say that I believe that the father's heart is babies. If we go back to Genesis, his heart from the beginning is be fruitful and multiply. And we see couples that went through infertility in the Bible and every single one of those couples ended up conceiving. Mm -hmm. And we have verses like a Psalm 113.9 that says, I will make the barren woman a joyful mother of children. And so for me, and my personal journey, and this might not be what the next person, you know, believes or where they sit with this, is I would rather believe in full faith for the next 70 years that I will become a mother than go one day in doubting or giving up. So is that easy? No, but I have God's word to stand on. And I get to say, God, this was your idea. Your original intention was to be fruitful and multiply. And I think we're just living in a society where we're seeing the enemy attack the very seed through both abortion and through infertility, trying to kill off a whole generation and trying to hold back. And so it's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we know that it's Jesus that came to give abundant life. And so again, for me personally, I'm not here to tell, you know, each listener what to do in their Mm -hmm. situation, but I consider a great honor to take God at his word and believe. And really that's what it talks about, you know, um, in Romans four, it's one of my favorite passages and books and scriptures. It talks about how against all odds, when everything looked hopeless, Abraham and Sarah took God at his word. They chose to believe. And then it goes on to say, because of that, they became a father and mother of a nation. Mm-hmm. And so where are we in our story? We're believing that that the doctors don't have the final say, that God's word will come to pass, mm-hmm. that he is not a man that lies, that nothing is impossible with him. So... That was a long answer. (laughs) No, that's a good answer. I mean, it's powerful because it is, it's faith like a child. Yes, it is. Amongst all of what the doctors have told me, Mm -hmm. amongst all the diagnoses, I choose to believe. So in those, do you just in your quiet moments, Mm -hmm. though, do you still face, or even as with women that you speak with, Mm-hmm. Those moments of defeat, because I can hear one person specifically listening to this and saying, yes, but my body literally has been said that it cannot have children. Like, mm-hmm. are there moments of defeat for you where you have to just stop and restructure your perspective? I always want to be so open to what the Lord has for us. I don't want it to be, I'm so set in my ways that I'd never um, want to be hearing His voice and what He says about our future. Because, of course, a question we get all the time is, why don't you adopt? You know, so in that kind of question, what I would say is, well, adoption is not a Band-Aid for infertility. It is not a Band-Aid for infertility. Is it a route that many couples choose because of infertility? It is, and it's 
beautiful and we Mm -hmm. celebrate it. And I've walked through so many friends who have adopted and it's been amazing. Has the Lord called my husband and I specifically to adopt? Do we feel peace about that? Do we feel led to do that? However, if tomorrow he opened up that door, would we run through it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in these moments of defeat, I think it's really important to look at our circumstances. What's causing the defeat? Is the defeat because I've taken my eyes off of what God's word says? Because, you know, when I look at really the diagnosis that we've been given, it is physically impossible Mm. to have a child. And yet what I've seen is the miracles that he has done. Again, is the defeat happening because I've taken my mind off of God's word? Okay, then what I do in those moments is I go back to God, what have you said? What have you said over my family? Not what has my body told me, not what has Google said, not what honestly friends and family have said, but what does mm-hmm. your word say? And, you know, not just his written word, but what is he speaking to us personally? And so, you know, for the woman who's feeling like God has closed that chapter, I believe that he'll give that woman a piece about it. Yet oftentimes, in all honesty, I think it's us. I think it's us who close the chapter because we just don't have the fight in us any longer. And there's no condemnation for that. You know, I I love that we have such a God that it's like, he's a GPS. So Mm -hmm. even if we go off course, he, he reroutes, he redirects. And so you know, we see just really within the Moms in the Making ministry, so many women that have come in, they're like, it's too hard. It's too impossible. And I'm like, okay, let's just see what God wants to do though. Mm-hmm. And I've I've just seen him do it too many times to doubt that he wouldn't do it again. So. Amen. And being in that realm with mm-hmm. women who, like you're saying, it's physically impossible yep. to see God continuing to work. It's not only faith, it is also experience. And so yes. I just hope our listeners hear that, that these are yes. things I'm actually seeing in our ministry, that these women are coming out with children. And yes, God can close that door, but I think it's sweet encouragement to remind them that that emotional turmoil does not have to turn into slammed doors. It doesn't mean it's the end, that that yes. turmoil can very much be a place of growth for their faith. It's so good. And I think, you know, with any trial we face, it's an opportunity to see another facet of the father we haven't yet experienced. So Mm -hmm. without infertility, I would not get the privilege and honor to know him as healer because before this, I didn't need to know that facet of him. You know, it might be that there's a listener who is struggling financially because of 2020 and they lost their job, you know, because of the virus. What if you considered it an opportunity to now know the Father as your provider, which you hadn't had to do before, you know? So really, I think we don't diminish these emotions. We don't deny these emotions. We take them before the Father and say, okay, I'm grieving because I had a miscarriage, but now Mm -hmm. I get to know as my comforter. I just want to share too, I'm not denying what we're up against. I'm not denying our diagnosis. I am denying it a right to exist, and I am denying enemy to have a final say in our story. But I do think it's important, like you just said so beautifully, that we acknowledge these emotions and that we really do, we present them before the Father and say, today, I feel pretty done. Or today, Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't have any more in me. Or today, I need you to comfort me. Today, I need you to give me wisdom. And He wants Mm -hmm. to be all that for us. Amen. All right. Next question. 
What are some things that people did or said during your most difficult seasons that actually helped you? And what were some words that were not helpful? This is one that seems to be pretty common amongst the people that I know that a lot of words that were intended to encourage actually made it a lot worse. So what did help you if somebody is listening who knows someone going through infertility or struggling after a miscarriage, what can you do to help and what is not helpful? Yeah. I've heard every not helpful phrase or suggestion or piece (laughs) of advice possible. You know, things that aren't helpful, honestly, are just the pieces of advice. So just relax, try going on a vacation, which we laugh about because my husband and I travel all the time. I'm like, do you know how many vacations we've taken (laughs) in the past eight years? Right. (laughs) You know, oh, again, oh, if you just adopted, then you know what would happen? You'd get pregnant. And so I think any kind of just blanket statement of advice, even if it's well-meaning, it's just not going to be received because I can guarantee you this woman, whoever it is, has probably tried it all. Mm. So what can help? Let's focus on that and talk about that. Well, what helps me the most, and I mean, this is a long journey for me. This is eight years, right? So Mm -hmm. I've been in this a while and really I don't have many friends who are still with me in the journey. They're like, Mm -hmm. peace out. It's been too long. I, I can't do it anymore. I can't be on the journey anymore. But what has helped is the people who simply send a text saying, thinking about you or hey, want you to know I'm praying for your babies. Mm. Or I heard this song, I hope it blesses you. Or I was reading this verse and it really came to mind and I think it will really encourage you today. It's the simple, I haven't forgotten about you, I'm thinking about you. And I think that probably goes with anything, a divorce, Mm. a loss of a husband, any kind of realm or any kind of trial or situation. I mean, even in 2020, it's a hard year. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how much it would mean to someone if you sent a text that just said, you're on my mind and I'm praying for you today. And I know what you're facing is hard, but just know that I'm your friend in this. And, you know, I'm going to cheer you on every step of the way. It could even be, you know, probably after miscarriage, it's going to look a little different than eight years into journey like I am. But After a miscarriage, showing up, showing up with a meal, showing up with a glass of wine, you know, if that Mm -hmm. might be that person's thing, showing up with a bouquet of flowers. You know, I think there's something about we have to get over the awkwardness of feeling like we have to say something to say, because I think the best thing is not probably to say much at all. It's to sit there and just say, I'm sorry. And I think too, you know, as Christians, sometimes we try to throw verses out there. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I just love when someone just comes up to me and is like, you know what? It sucks. Like mm-hmm. it, su- it sucks that you had a miscarriage. I hate it. It makes me mad and I'm sorry. And it's like, you don't sitting actually- Sitting in the hard with you. Like, sitting in the hard. It's okay yeah. that it's hard. We're not yes. trying to cover up, like you said, create a bandage for something that shattered you yes. for a season. Yeah. It's okay and- that it hurts. And I think, you know, there might not be a verse that that person needs. They might know all the verses. They don't need a verse. And I'm not saying, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't use scripture. But we just have to know the timing. You know, I had someone on my podcast recently and her son had drowned, and Mm. which is devastating. This is many years ago. But... I loved her encouragement because she's like, we all need a friend for every season. We need the show up and clean the house friend. We Mm -hmm. need the Bible verse friend. We need the prayer warrior friend. We need the, hey, let's just sit and binge watch Netflix and sit, you know, eat popcorn friend. And so figure out what friend you are to that person and stay in that lane and be that Mm -hmm. friend. But you can't go wrong with a bouquet of flowers 
home cooked or delivered. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Food or a glass of wine or anything like that. And I think also in the realm of what not to say, one thing is diminishing the fact that maybe they already have one child and yet something changed and they can't have another. And well, at, well, at least you already have a kid. You know, you should be thankful you already have a kid. Like you're saying, that desire for a family that God has given us, yep. you can't just remove that mm-hmm. desire, that the longing for larger family. Yeah. So just not diminishing the season or trying to, like you said, do a blanket statement to try to make it seem like, well, you should be grateful. Mm-hmm. That's very hurtful. Like if you were to lose a child at three years old and you said, well, at least you're lucky you have another one. Of course, those are totally different things. Yes, of course, I'm thankful to have a child, but I wanted my other child Mm -hmm. too. So I love that. And I do, I fully agree with you. And it's something I thought a lot about in 2020 actually is the importance of just sitting in the Mm -hmm. heart and allowing that to be what it is. And sometimes just saying, you know what? It sucks and Mm -hmm. it is just really rough and that's okay. So let me just sit with you. Let's just, like you said, watch TV. Let's just be together and have that company. And being willing to say, I don't have the words to say right now. I think that is probably That's better than for people. It, it yeah. is, it is. Yeah. And, and because to your point, we minister to so many women who are trying for their second or are trying for their third. And they think that because they have one at home, because the world's told them, well, yeah. you already have one. So get over it. It's like, it's no, like actually, sure. yeah, it's yeah, selfish. And so something else too, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but we do have a support team for Moms in the Making. So if we find out someone has a miscarriage, what happens is our support team sends cards in the mail. So the person who just went through this devastating loss is now getting 40 or 50 or 60 cards showing up in their mailbox, mainly from people who are going through it or have gone through it. And so I know that- That is so special. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love snail mail? I know, especially when there's, you know, 50 cards coming in the mail from strangers. And so they're just blown away. They're like, here, I thought I was so lonely Mm -hmm. and 50 of you are now writing me a card. I've never met you. And so I just want to, you know, if anyone is interested in joining that team or to be a resource, because I would love to be a resource for any of your listeners. That's Um, really incredible. uh, I mean, even somebody who I had a miscarriage five months into her pregnancy, she uh, met one person, one woman at the same time, that woman actually showed up to the funeral. I can't remember how she had heard about it. She had no idea who this family was, but she showed up to the funeral. She pulled my friend aside and said, I've been through what you're going through. And I just want Mm -hmm. you to know from someone who's been there. And that for her, I remember that being such a foundational relationship in that season, a woman, she had no idea who she was. It was just the same pain. Mm -hmm. So to have 40 women with the same pain who are able to connect and have that conversation is, it just like really tugs at my heart because I remember how special that was. So thank you you for doing that. Yeah. We see within the ministry, these women really become best friends because we do things like prayer partners and the conference. Because when you're in that season of life to connect with someone else, it's just like as a mom, you want to connect with other moms who have Mm -hmm. kids, you know, well, when you don't have kids, you want to connect with other women. And so the friendships alone that have come out of it. I mean, women fly across the nation now to see each other that had met through the ministry because they're like, you get it. Mm -hmm. And I feel safe and I feel comfortable and I don't 
have to explain myself and you're not going to ask me how many kids I have. Yeah. And, and yeah. so it really is. It's just one of the many ways that the Lord has used it. So, yes. And I'll link all of that in our show notes for you guys Great. as well, if you're interested. Next question. How do I work through all of my friends and family members getting pregnant two or three times, sometimes without even trying when I can't get pregnant at all? I don't want to be selfish and I'm so happy for them, but it's also heart-wrenching to go to baby showers or hear new pregnancy announcements. Woo, I could talk about this one really all day, so I won't do that because I want to be respectful (laughs) of your time. So yeah, here I am. One brother has five kids in the time that you know we've been trying. And so I could go on all day, really as leading a ministry where there's been over 500 babies and I myself have still been waiting. So I just want to just say that I do feel like I'm in a place that I can speak to this question and can address it. So really, I would say up to that moment where I surrendered everything over to the Lord in 2013, I was jealous. I was jealous. I remember best friends calling me like, I'm pregnant. I mean, left and right, it's pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy. And I was bitter. I would cry. I just really struggled. And and so thankfully though, when I surrendered, the Lord really just gave me a whole fresh new perspective. Listen, I'm not saying over here that I'm eight years in and not like still wanting babies. I am, of course, that's my heart's desire. But what I am saying is he's given me a perspective where I'm able to celebrate those around me. So I want to give this example. I love to compete in triathlons and I am not fast. I just go out there and I just do it. Swim, bike, run. I just, (laughs) that's an accomplishment. Why not? I just love a good challenge. But I'm not like the fastest one racing, but what I've noticed throughout my races over the years is when I'm out there and let's say I'm on the run, which is the last leg and there's, you know, people passing me left and right. My race becomes much more enjoyable when I'm cheering those people on. So when I'm saying, good job, well done, you know, one more mile, you're almost finished. What I notice is my pain is taken off of me and it is projected and focused on, you know, the celebration of the person passing me. And so it becomes such a delight when we can realize, okay, the battle is actually not against other women getting pregnant. The Mm -hmm. battle is against the enemy, which is what it talks about in Ephesians 6. And so I really have just put on this perspective of their celebration is my celebration too. Mm -hmm. Their pregnancy is a win for heaven. It's a win for the kingdom. It's life. It's the heart of the father. And so I'm going to celebrate what he's doing. Now, has that always been easy? Absolutely not. But it sure does change when we realize, wait, scripture actually very much addresses jealousy, envy, and bitterness. And what does it say about all of them? Don't have them, (laughs) right? I mean, I won't go into detail about each of those, but... To give a practical example, because I know you're like, oh, that's great, but what do I do with that? What happens anytime the enemy tries to rear his ugly head in my life and cause some jealousy? So whether that is I log on to Facebook and there's a pregnancy announcement from a friend who didn't even tell me until I find out on Facebook, which has happened several times, or a best friend calls me and they accidentally got pregnant with their fourth and they're panicking and they don't know what to do, is the minute you know I close my phone or hang up, I just choose to bless that person out loud. So I just want to encourage you to do that practically. Again, this might not be about a baby. It might, but maybe it's your best friend got a house and you yourself have been wanting one for 10 years and you're like, why? Like, why is this so hard? Or why did they get the dream job and I didn't? 
But I just think there's something so powerful about blessing people. And I think it's important to do it out loud. I do think there's something that happens when we pray out loud. So I would just simply, you know, thank you, Lord, for this pregnancy. Lord, I just bless, you know, X, Y, Z. I thank you for a healthy pregnancy. Thank you for their baby. Thank you that you're the God of life. Like this is your heart. And and soon, guess what? The focus isn't on me. It's what he's doing through them. And so why do I know, you know, or do I know why... 500 million other people have gotten pregnant and I still haven't, I don't. But what I do know is it's much more fun to celebrate those people. Mm. And then secondly, I put myself in their shoes because let me tell you, the day I find out I'm pregnant, I want the whole world <laughs> rejoicing. To celebrate with you. Yes. I am like, I have thrown hundreds of baby showers. I've sent so many gifts in the mail. So how do I want to be celebrated? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just that I want to be celebrated. And so I just think... Am I qualified and worthy of being celebrated when it's my turn if I can't do it for others? My answer personally would be no. You know, and I want to say this with great care because listen, if you had a miscarriage yesterday and you're invited to a baby shower tomorrow, there's Give yourself space. Give yourself space and grace, right? But I would really encourage you if you're struggling with jealousy and envy, bitterness, the word has so much to say. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the Lord wants to heal the pieces and parts of your heart that are not yet healed because Mm -hmm. when he heals them, you'll be able to celebrate those around you. Amen. For our listeners, I do have an episode with Christian therapist, Quinn Kelly, about that exact topic. And we talk about every realm of jealousy and comparison because I fully agree with you. Not only does it impact those people because they're celebrating something. It's not that their pregnancy, they're like, oh shoot, now I have to tell it. I mean, they probably already are dreading that conversation because they don't want to hurt you. Mm -hmm. But then to have it be a response of, well, good for you or, you know, or just silence. Yeah. It only makes them feel sad and you're not celebrating in what God has given them, no matter what it is, like you said, Mm -hmm. if it's weight loss or a new home or a baby, their intention is likely not to hurt you with that news, but also to have that heart to rejoice. It just steals so much of our joy Mm -hmm. when we are unwilling to celebrate. We are the sufferers of that. I mean, they're going to move on and they're going to have those people who do celebrate them. So they'll embrace those people. But for us, we then sit in our grief. We then sit in our pain. We then sit in our comparison and our jealousy and it eats away our souls Mm -hmm. and it digs a root that grows deeper and deeper. So... Yeah, so, so that's a great thought. Okay, last question. What is your take on IVF? Do you feel like it's playing God and is adopting a better option if I'm choosing between the two? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, that's not the route my husband and I are on, but ministering to hundreds of women who are choosing the fertility IVF route. I thank God for doctors. I believe in doctors. I believe in the power of doctors. If you are a doctor in the medical field, just want to thank you and bless you, right? Um, There's just such a gift that he's brought just modern day medicine. I do think, you know, when it comes to IVF, I do think that there are decisions that women made that I would say probably go against his heart. For instance, I've known some women who they find out the gender of the embryo and it's not the gender they want and they throw them away. And so I do think that there is some careful decisions and wisdom in the IVF process. 
months. I think another decision a lot of people don't realize they have to make is they run into it so excited, right? They're just like, give me their baby. Give me a baby. Well, what Mm -hmm. they don't understand is you could be left with lots of embryos. So what are you going to do when you have 20 embryos? That's 20 babies. It's life. They're created. And what are you going to do with that? And now you have to just going to put them in your body. Are you going to have 20 babies? Probably not, but maybe. Are you going to donate them? Okay. So then it's your DNA in someone else's body, which is totally fine. I think that's a great option. Yes. Or are you going to throw them away? And Mm -hmm. so I do think the discarding of children, I don't line up with it. Now everyone needs to make the decision that's right for them. So Do I have a problem personally with IVF? I don't. However, when you get down to some of those nitty gritty details, I think it's very, very... Following um, their convictions and listening their to convictions the yeah. And listening to the Lord using wisdom. Yeah. So, you know, I think what I just want to share really quickly here is there is just no set route, right? So what works for me isn't going to be what God calls someone else to do. And I think just in culture, we so easily look at someone else and we're like, whatever they're doing, I'm going to do. Actually, no, mm-hmm. don't do that because that might not be God's plan for your life. And so is adoption the better route or is IVF the better route? I say the better routes, whatever the Lord tells you to do. You know, I have seen many women adopt when they didn't feel called to do and it it doesn't work out. And then Mm -hmm. same thing, I've seen that women take the route of IVF, even though the Lord didn't bless it. And I'm telling you, when we don't have God's blessing on things, it's not pretty. And so I think they're all beautiful journeys, whether it's a natural route, whether it's IVF, route, whether it is an adoption route, there is just such beauty. And I celebrate it. I celebrate that each story looks different. And I'm glad it does because it'd be Mm. really boring if we all took the exact same journey to motherhood. The same lives. Yes. yes, Yeah. (laughs) So, wow. Well, thank you so much for that wisdom. I know there are going to be many women blessed. And I, I think what stands out to me so intensely in you is just your faith and your mm-hmm. belief. And yeah. that is what we are called to in scripture is to have that faith like a mustard seed. So mm-hmm. thank you for exemplifying that Absolutely. and for living that out, even though you still have that longing mm-hmm. and you're still in the journey that you now can lead women, even through this conversation to hope and to faith. Absolutely. Do you mind if I just share one more thing? No, this is just do. like really deep in my heart. Yeah. I just want to encourage whoever is listening that infertility is not your identity. Mm-hmm. And it is so easy to get caught up in making infertility identity because that's what we're labeled. I mean, that's what doctors speak over us. That's, you know, kind of the season of life we're in. And I also just want to share that the true contentment is going to find when you put your hope in the Father. Mm -hmm. What I see is, you know, a lot of women, it's like they finally get their baby and we celebrate that. And then what happens? Well, guess what? Motherhood is met with lots of frustrating moments and (laughs) hardships, right? And so I think sometimes women in this season look to motherhood as that's the end all be all and life will be easy breezy from there, which in fact, I would probably say it's only going to get harder Mm -hmm. and more complex. So what's beautiful is when we find contentment in Christ, then we can have the hope and joy with or without the baby. Mm -hmm. And the journey becomes much more honestly enjoyable. I would say that our journey has been hard, but it's been enjoyable because I know I'm a daughter of the father. I'm not infertile. That is not how he Mm. sees me. It's not how he looks at me. And I've found that content in him Mm -hmm. um, and he's fulfilled that need. So I just want to bless the listeners Mm -hmm. with that. Well, and I think so much of that, what you're saying is 
we have the foundation and that identity. I love that you say like his name over you is not Mm. infertile, Mm. but that you have that foundation and that peace and that hope. So everything, no matter what it is, whether you're longing to get married, whether you're longing to have a baby, that it is all an additional blessing on this earth. Because if our minds are centered on the kingdom Mm -hmm. and our focus is remaining in, okay, Lord, this is not my home. This is not my final journey. Mm -hmm. There's so much peace in that, especially this year. The place where I'm at, what I'm experiencing is how flimsy Mm -hmm. this world is, how Mm -hmm. flimsy my tent is, my body, how flimsy the promises of of America are Mm -hmm. alone and how marriage is imperfect and being a mother is imperfect and all of these things that when you do place your hope in that and then it starts to crumble or get difficult, your world then shatters. But if you're on that solid foundation and everything else is viewed as just a blessing that God has given us that we don't deserve because we deserve nothing but hell ultimately because of our Mm -hmm. sin, that we then have so much gratitude Mm -hmm. for the things that we do have. So yeah, I fully agree with you. And I appreciate you sharing that. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social and websites? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to get connected in Moms in the Making, which is, again, a ministry for women who are trying to grow their family, it's just momsinthemaking.com or Instagram, Facebook, Moms in the Making. And we do have groups all over the world. So I do hope you can check that out. And then my personal Instagram, like you mentioned, it's trusting in due time. So I have a book and a blog in due time. My heart really there is sharing a lot of God's word. My book was written for anyone who is just looking for hope and encouragement. It's a devotional style. And yeah, you can find me at Trusting in Due Time. Perfect. Well, thank yes. you so much. Thank it you. Was this honor was truly an honor. You. Yeah. Yo, thank no, you. my honor. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you wouldn't mind tagging us at Living Easy with Lindsay in the podcast, also tagging at Trusting in Due Time and at Moms in the Making, letting us know how this episode impacted you. We always love to hear from you and we'll talk to you all next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you were blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.